As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Today, I am so, so excited to chat with Jordan Benjamin. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Awesome. Let me tell you guys a bit about Jordan. For over 13 years, he's been exploring different tools and strategies paired with neuroscience to understand how we can create substantial peak performance. As a top seller at HubSpot since joining pre-IPO, leading mental health, resilience, mindfulness trainings inside and outside of HubSpot, he is continuously faced in helping humans show up at their best at work and at home. Wow, neuroscience. Okay, you know, I'm excited about our chat because we're all about science here. So how did you start your career and pre-IPO HubSpot? That's like, you know, for us uh, people, as my kids say, born in the 1900s. Oh, like that's way a long time ago. So tell us about how you started and how you got to where you are. Yeah, it's uh, a weird journey. Anytime I I talk to sellers, it's usually an interesting journey. I never thought I'd be in sales, went to school for business management and had somebody say, hey, you should go join this startup company. And this was a much smaller company in Boulder and got into sales, did the whole BDR game, 100 dials a day, marked down on a you know legal pad. We did have Salesforce at the time, but it wasn't very integrated to what we were doing and then got laid off from a couple of startups within about 90 days of each other, actually. So got a nice dose of reality and luckily... For me, my fiance was moving to Boston for grad school and I knew somebody at HubSpot and said, hey, are are you guys hiring? And conveniently they said, yeah, we're hiring like crazy. And so I got there in 2014, learned a lot from getting laid off twice, but have been at HubSpot for coming up on eight years now, coaching different agency partners on how do they grow and develop their business. And really throughout that entire time, I've done things like getting certified as a yoga instructor and taken a ton of education around mental health and all the things that I was never taught in school on how do I actually handle life and how do I show up at my best every day? And so, you know, multiple HubSpot accolades from, you know, president's clubs and things like that, but then really spending a lot of time learning how can we perform at our best. And, you know, around neuroscience, what's been fascinating is the evolution of that technology to understand the brain and how do things like meditation actually show up now through science, where before it was just seen as some of this kind of like woo-woo stuff. And now you're actually seeing science talking about how gratitude or meditation actually help us manage our stress and manage ourselves more effectively. Wow. So you really developed resiliency early in your career because you got laid off twice. 
in like three months. That's a, a huge thing. Some people get laid off once in their lifetime and they never get back up from it. So you mentioned you learned a lot of valuable lessons. What are some lessons that you learned from getting laid off? Yeah, so the first time I got laid off, it was a big group of us, about 60, 80 of us got laid off at that point in time. And we went out and party. It was, you know, like a Wednesday afternoon and we went to the bar as a group. We're like, I don't, we don't have jobs now. What do we do? And that was okay. That was fun. You know, we had an okay time. Then you wake up the next morning, you feel terrible and you realize you don't have a job and you don't know exactly what you're going to do. And luckily I, I found a next role that thought was going to be my next thing for a long time. Got there for about three months and sat with the CEO, you know, it was about a 90 day sales cycle and I'd only been there three months, hadn't closed anything yet. And he was there actually with one of my good friends who also got hired at the same time. And they were like, oh, we're keeping him and letting go of you. And he was like, you know, I really wish we could keep you. I know you're going to do great things. And I don't think I'm very egotistical at all. But sitting in that meeting with him, I said, I know I am. And literally walked out to the computer and reached out to a guy that I knew at HubSpot and said, hey, are you guys hiring? I, I think I might be moving to Boston. And what I learned from that was this concept of like, nobody's going to do it for me. I have to pick myself back up. I have to be the one to take responsibility for myself to actually move forward and move in a direction that I want to go. Because whatever company you're at or a part of, yes, they want to solve for you. Yes, they want to help you. But at the end of the day, they have to solve for the business and the company and nobody else is going to do it for you. So that was a big lesson for me around taking my own accountability and really understanding that I'm going to have to do it for myself to get where I want to go in my life. Mm, betting on yourself. That's been a, a really a rolling theme of the podcast in the past few months. So many people have come on and we've talked about their trials and their tribulations, whether it was health related or family related or they got laid off and it was like, but I bet on myself, right? And so you said, okay, I don't care. I'm gonna reach out to somebody and see if they're willing to take a chance on me. So you started at HubSpot, which was very a very different company back then than it is now. <laughs> so Big tell time. us when you started, you were at the bottom of that totem pole. How did you go from being at the bottom of the totem pole to multiple president awards winning, as well as how come you're still there? So many people don't stay at jobs for that long. I never thought I was going to be somewhere for eight years. And so for me, I, I think a lot of it has come down to an early lesson I learned from one of our sales leaders on bringing an attitude of curiosity to the table. It's enabled me and allowed me to not only show up and be excited and curious about every conversation that I have with every prospect, even though a lot of calls and a lot of conversations with the business owners that I talk to and agency owners sound the same. But if I can maintain curiosity, not only does it help me stay engaged on my own right, it helps them feel seen and valued and heard. And so it's kept the conversations really exciting. I think the other piece at HubSpot is I've had this ability to go out and support some of these areas that I'm truly passionate about. You know, I lead meditation sessions a couple times a week uh, or a couple times a month. I help coach a, a program that we run called Rethinking Resilience, where I get to give others skills and tools but again, most of us didn't get in school to understand how do I bounce back from failure or getting laid off for a bad month or quarter. And I think HubSpot does such a great job of building a culture of amazing people here to do really cool things that support each other. You know, there's freedom, there's autonomy, and there's just so many intelligent people that show up with what we call as heart, which is part of our cultural code for being humble, empathetic, adaptable, remarkable, and... Oh gosh, T's blanking on me right now. I'll have to come back to you with T at the end. So how did you 
know that you could do these things. Because a lot of times when people are within companies, they just do their job. They just keep their head down and they don't say, hey, are you guys interested in bringing this in? Or I'm interested in leading this or doing this. How did you start climbing up the ladder? So one, I got to throw out T is transparent. It's a critical one. But for me, I think it really was that early day stage, you know, coming from this startup world where you encourage creativity and you encourage experimentation and trying new things is what started to open the door to where I started leading yoga classes and starting offering meditation and finding other groups of people saying, I have no idea how to do this. I'm scared to go into a yoga studio and actually pay a fee, but oh, we've got a gym in the office. And it's a free thing that's offered out. So I don't feel as intimidated to do that. And so it was really one, finding people that were interested in similar things. And then two, getting some buy-in from different leaders like uh, our, our wonderful head of our North American sales, Michelle Benfer. She attended a new hire training I was a part of. And she was like, wow, this content talking about growth mindset in these other areas are how I've developed as a leader. And are so important for me. So I put together a curriculum for her small business sales team where I ran different sessions to help them really learn. And a lot of it was by doing and actually just putting myself out there and showing up while making sure I you know, sustained a top performance. So you're talking about resiliency and growth mindset. And really, it's like you're kind of juggling multiple balls, right? It's like, hey, I this is my day job. This is how I pay my bills. But I have this passion and people are tapping me to do these things. How do you balance? How do you balance the things that you're really passionate about as well as, hey, I still have to hit my quota, make these calls, do these things? Yeah, it's an ever-evolving thing. You know, as the company has really grown and changed, the role, the activities of what I've got to do in a given day continue to change. And so it's something that I don't think is ever set in stone. And I'm okay with that. And I've talk to a lot of folks that think, oh, I've got to build my morning routine and it has to say the exact same. No, we learn new stuff every day. And so for me, it's about how do I make sure I optimize my mornings it is one of my first things I do when I start the day. How do I do things that fill me up that make my morning for me? So whether that's meditation, journaling, working out, incantations to, to make sure that, you know, I change some of the negative self-talk or at least reinforce some things that don't serve me. And that's where I start. And then I get into time blocking. So great, I'm going to do a couple of my most important tasks the first thing of the day and then get into the sales meetings and some of the other activities that align better with when other people are working too. And then the other part for me is around really making sure I've got clear goals set. You know, I've got another screen over here and I see my tasks of, okay, what do I need to knock through today? What are my most important things? What are my nice to haves? And how does that align to what I want to do this week, this month, and this year? So those are a couple activities that have really helped me make sure I can stay focused on the things that drive the most impact in my own life. Mm. And when we think about, you know, Balancing our time as a salesperson, as a sales leader, and then we think about all of the stress and strain that we have from life and from work. What are some of those first signs that people can really tap into to know that they need to slow down and maybe take a midday yoga class or stop and turn the lights off and meditate? Um, not first thing in the morning like most people do or at the end of the day, but in the middle of the day. What are some of those signs that we should look out for? So a lot of it happens in the body. Our body is going to know when we're getting burnt out, when we're getting overly stressed, even before our conscious mind will, because so much happens within our feelings. And so a lot of folks will notice that maybe they're holding their shoulders really tight and there's tension up in their shoulders or their neck starts to hurt or back starts to hurt. And they start getting these body aches that don't necessarily come from anywhere. 
I also talk to folks that'll feel, you know, heart palpitations and their hearts going a little bit differently than it normally would, or they just feel on edge in their different conversations and their mind starts to be really distracted and is wandering. So as you start to notice the mind's wandering or you have this tension in your body is when you can maybe take a deep breath and say, what's going on? How am I feeling? And that's one of the other skills that I love to do with teams is just do a simple check-in. Not how are you doing today? Because almost all of us are gonna say, good, fine, okay. But how are you feeling? And I actually use uh, this tool, I think it's called the feelings wheel, because many of us don't have that many words for our actual emotions that we have. And if we can start checking in with ourselves and say either, how am I feeling today? Energized, excited, depressed, stressed, anxious, or a one to 10 scale can also be nice to say, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling 10 out of 10 today or right now in the moment, or you know what, I'm feeling like a four or five, because once we measure something, we can actually manage it. But when it's just this very kind of ethereal, I'm, I'm good, I'm fine, it doesn't give us much context to work with. So those are some of the things that I look for to say, when do I need to take a break and do something to recharge, refresh, or renew myself? Mm. I recently went and got a massage and um, the, the masseuse was like, wow, this feels like bone here and it's supposed to be muscle. I was like, really? It wasn't even hurting me, right? And so it's like, I, but I consciously, I literally put it on my calendar every single month. That's something that I do because I know that this is something that my body needs. And even if I'm not hurting and you don't have to necessarily be in pain <laughs> to stop and take a moment, right? Because actually the pain, when you start feeling the pain, that means that you've been dealing with it and internalizing it. You had this really unique setup, I'll call it, at HubSpot, where you have this job that you've been in for so many years, but you also have a whole separate company. How did you go to your management, go to your company and say, hey, so I really love what I'm doing, but I really am passionate about this other thing. And I want you guys to support me. Yeah, I think... It was probably a sign of the times being there earlier, again, because at an earlier stage company, you need to try and test and experiment. And now with 5,000 some odd people, we need folks to work more in the swim lanes. Otherwise, if everybody's distracted, it's a little bit harder. So I think I, some of it was me being lucky being there early on and also knowing that most of what I'm doing is giving. You know, it's really about saying, great, I've interviewed a lot of sellers at HubSpot. So now new hires can go in and listen to me interviewing a lot of the top sellers. And it becomes a resources and an asset that supports what we're trying to do and gives more education and gives more value to folks across the organization. And I, I think there is also this sense in sales of if you can perform at a high level, if you can do your job well, you should get this freedom and autonomy, which I think HubSpot's you know been really kind enough to grant me that aligns to, to give me a little bit of freedom to make sure, great, you're, you're hitting your numbers, you're doing your job at a, a high level, do what you want with your time, uh, as long as it's not you know competing against HubSpot. And luckily what I do is, is quite nicely aligned how we wanna support humans to really be their best and is where I'm doing a bunch of this stuff internally as well. So you say you interview a lot of sellers and, and you're using that as a training for new hires. What kind of conversations are you having with those sellers? For me, I, I love asking people about their mindset. You know, I, I, there's so much you can read about tactics and so much of my sales training from Sandler to spin to gap selling. All these other areas have been really wonderful, but they get into the tactics of selling. And what I love to learn is, well, how do you bounce back from that tough month? What do you focus on every day to perform at your best? What do you read? What do you look to learn? And what I find is so many folks study psychology and how do humans operate and perform? Because that 
to me is where we find that selling and getting better at sales usually aligns with getting better as a human. You're a better listener. You're a better communicator. You have a better understanding of what people's goals are and what they want to accomplish and then work to bring solutions to the table for them. So that's what I really love to start learning from folks to understand how can you not only perform, but really maintain that performance and sustain it over the long term. Because I've talked to so many sellers that have done really great, hit the top, been number one, and then come back to say, well, well, now what do I do with myself? I just hit number one, but that doesn't have any meaning or purpose. And so that's some of the stuff that I'd love to work with folks on to really understand how do we find more connection to purpose? Whether that is being, yeah, I want to be number one. Well, why? And how do we get, I want to be number one because? So that's some of the fun stuff that I love to learn and work with folks on. And so when you have these amazing conversations and you guys are are really digging deep and you're right, a lot of sales training is focused on the tactical aspects of sales training. And I always say that all that stuff is great because you have to know how to make a cold call, how to do a discovery call. But it's also about what I like to call a behavior-based sales training, Mm. right? So what are those behaviors that drive the actions? So like you said, I lose. That's okay. All I say, it's okay to lose, but don't lose the same way twice. Let's do a postmortem. Let's understand what happened, right? Let's really understand. Let's peel back some of those layers so we can understand what happened. And don't, and you know, hey, oh, I just got a big sale. It's the end of the month and I'm just going to do nothing for the rest of the month. (laughs) That's on the opposite spectrum. And so incorporating those kind of learnings and, and trainings into onboarding new salespeople, how is that? changed the trajectory of the type of onboarding that your salespeople have gotten? Yeah. So one of the things that I introduced really early on in a training was talking about a growth mindset to your point of it's not win or lose, it's win or learn. And so how do we help folks understand not just, oh, I lost the sale, but how do we find something? And a course from MIT that I took on negotiation was, you know, a lot of folks believe negotiation is in those skills or something you have or you don't. And that's not the case. This is something that can be learned. Sales is something that can be learned because it is a human skill. And so what I talk with folks about is at the end of every deal or when we do this analysis, what went well? So we make sure we find something that went well. There's a little bit of a reward for ourselves. And then what can be improved upon? And not what did I suck at or not, you know, what do I struggle with? But where can I improve? Because that starts to create this growth mindset and reinforce that, okay, there's something that I did well and there's something that I can improve upon. Mm, that's good. That's so good. So you have your your company, Core OS. Tell us a little bit more about what you specifically do within that organization. Yeah. So what I do over here is I, I work with folks to build your personal operating system, whether that's for you or your team. And so much of what we do every day is like, oh, we come in, we update our computers, we update our cell phones and the operating system to have that perform better. But most of us haven't consciously built or understood what is our operating system. So I've got a whole set of different curriculum that I run through with folks. Sometimes it's, you know, 30 to 60 minute sessions. Sometimes it's, you know, six to 12 weeks of an hour session every other week, going through different components of building self-awareness to understand who we are. What are the perspectives that we have that make us show up and see the world the way that we do and lead the way that we do and tools to help understand, well, where do we want to go? Because so many folks don't really have a clear roadmap of what they want to do in their lives or what is valuable to them. So we help folks build values, understand their own self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and then how can they actually create systems to enact or enable that change to take their life where they want to move? Hmm. 
So give us a mini case study. Tell us about somebody who came to you and um, they said, you know, I, I like the resistant people, not the ones who was gung-ho. Tell us about that resistant person and the changes that you were help, able to help them see. Yeah, so I love working with top performers. I find that that's really where we can get into it. Once folks understand that, yes, I can perform in sales and I know that I can hit my targets, but there are many folks that say like, I don't need this. Many people that I talk to need to crash and burn before they start to open their eyes to saying, well, maybe I could live, maybe I could operate a little bit differently. And so I had a, a rep that was a top performing rep, multi-time president's club rep, but came to me and said like, I am struggling outside of work. Like I can do the job, I'm fine there, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to sustain that for very long. And I feel like a lot of this stuff is like very woo woo and out there and like, I'm not interested in that. And I suggested, hey, like, why don't you just go take a yoga class? And he was like, no way. Like, I, I'm an athlete. I'm not doing yoga. Not a chance. And then finally goes like two months later and is like, oh my gosh, that was the best workout I've ever had. I felt amazing afterwards and came back and said, okay, what else can we look at or what else can we open up? And so we started just doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, really starting to understand, okay, what are your values? You know, what are the areas of your life that you feel really good about right now? But what's missing? What's lacking? And so we started to work on understanding really where was he at and why is this feeling of lack of joy missing out of his life when he's making more money than he ever thought he would or anything of the sort. And so we spent some time working together over about a year, really doing one-on-one -on -one sessions, really kind of mapping. Great. Where are you at today? What are the areas that we can improve on? And we found out, hey, yeah, we need to get some more family time in there. We need to get some more involvement with a community around myself because I feel a little bit isolated. And so many of us can resonate with that through COVID especially, that we had a, a really good time after he's like, this stuff's a little bit out there for me. Now he's regularly practicing yoga. He's working on himself every day, listening to different articles and podcasts to grow his mind and curiosity. So it feels like he's learning every day and really taking control now and sitting in the driver's seat to be the architect of his life versus where most of us just kind of run on the hamster wheel that we've been set on. Mm, the most resistant person and seeing their transformation, those are the things that give me the most joy. Really seeing the person who is like, yeah, I don't need you. In my situation, it was somebody who said, oh yeah, you're my career coach. I'm like, your career coach? They were like, yeah, you're my career coach because I kept getting rejected for my promotion. And I'm like, and so you think that's what I'm here for? No. The problem is the way that you're leading your team. <laughs> that is actually the yeah. issue. <laughs> and once that was able to be turned on, we were off to the races. One thing that you said that I think so many salespeople, sales leaders don't do is we make money, right? You work as hard or as little as you want to and you make commission, you make bonuses. But what are you working for? I always say it's important. You have to set the goal for, am I trying to pay off a student loan? Am I trying to go on an, a 14 day Alaskan cruise? Like why? What is the reason that you are working so hard? It's such a good point. And the thing that I think so many people miss, you know, they think it's just about the money. They think it's just about, you know, hitting the quota because that's the quota that somebody set for you to do the thing for the company. And that's what creates this hamster wheel that removes our humanity and what fills us up because we are tribal creatures. And when we have the ability to give and grow, that's what really starts to fulfill us. And when we have that purpose defined, makes it easier to get through those tough times, makes it easier to understand here's why I do what I do and have a much more empowering story behind it opposed to, oh, I've got to show up to make cold calls today or I've got to show up to be in front of my team that's just here that 
you know, I don't even like some of the people on my team, but I got to be here because it's my job. That sucks. <laughs> so we've got to think about it. Purpose is powerful. It is. And you know, when you have that person who is able to really, I love saying peel back the onion and get to the core, the root of the thing that's really holding them back, right? And really tap into that so that they can unleash it. And so when I hear somebody's like, I got to double my 529 contribution for my kids this year. I'm like, that's great. And they don't even, I don't even know how much money they make. They're not even thinking about it. They're just like, cause every month it's just like, Hey, I'm going, I'm going, this is my goal. This is my focus. And so really when we talk about that resiliency and the curiosity, it's those top performers that burn out. It's they do so well for five years, 10 years, but at some point, if they're not able to slow down and tap into their core operating system, then they just fizzle out. That's exactly it. And I I think the piece that I heard from you in there too, that I love is this concept of really understanding what are we here for? What am I trying to do with my life? We are these incredible humans. We're not robots. We have feelings, we have emotions, we have desires, and it doesn't have to be about what anybody else is doing. And so just knowing, yeah, I could double my 529 or I can give the most I've ever done from a philanthropic perspective, that's great. And it's only about my barometer for myself. It's not about how much money is it? Doesn't matter. It's really just about on my, relative to myself, how am I doing compared to my own metrics for me? And am I getting better? Am I moving in that positive direction every single day? Because I'm not going to give away as much money as Bill Gates or some of these other people. And so that's not going to be my bar. But my bar is how am I doing in comparison to myself? And I think it's so powerful. Running a race against yourself. Once you tap into that and you run the race against yourself, that's when everything is unlocked. It just makes things so much smoother. And it's a work in progress. I am not perfect at any of these things. And sometimes I say something, it's like, oh yeah, you better remember that one. (laughs) I know, I know. It's like you'll go and you'll get a call from somebody or you'll go on social media, you're like, man, we started in business at the same time or oh, we're the same age or so what's happening there, right? And the thing is, what you do when you build this resiliency is those things happen. You will lose a sale. Life will hit you in the face, but you know how to deal with it now. And that's the key. It's not that these things are gonna go away. It's not that there's a crystal ball. It's that I know how to deal with these things now. So the next time I don't sit there and have it affect me for so long. It's still one of those things that boggles my mind that I'm still trying to figure out is how do we help folks build these tools before they have to get punched in the face in life so they can bounce back a little bit better? Because I've seen so much struggle, anxiety, depression around the world, but especially here in the United States and tech companies and the folks that I work with. And not having those tools makes it really hard to bounce back. And some folks don't bounce back from it. And so that to me is where reach out. Like I go to a therapist, I have a coach, and I think there's a big amount of opportunity to get rid of some of the stigma around therapy, around reaching out and asking for help. Because I see a lot of folks that talk about self-help books and think like, well, you must be broken if you need self-help. We're all probably broken. We're all probably not optimized to be our best selves. And again, nobody's going to help us but ourselves. And so how do we normalize that and make that conversation a lot more normal? And especially for dudes that have grown up saying like, men don't cry. Ha! Men also have feelings and emotions. And I think that helps us be better leaders. I think that helps us build a, a broader sense of, you know, equality, inclusion, equity, diversity of thought when we can actually understand that, oh yeah, I've got emotions too, just like every other human walking this planet. Yes. Emotions are data. That's 
what they are. They are data points. And just like if you're looking at a spreadsheet, you're doing a pipeline review, your emotions, the way that you feel, it is okay to feel that way. And whether you're a man or woman, I mean, we all know about sports and we all know the best athletes have coaches, right? <laughs> like they just don't go throw that good pass to win the game by themselves. So they all have coaches and it's okay to need someone. And I think that as top performers, that's the thing that we have to stop thinking that we have to be alone. It's okay to ask for help. We work better together. Two heads are better than one. We've heard all these things our entire life, but when we can get some outside perspective from somebody that sees things a little bit differently or from another viewpoint, not everything they say has to be right or you don't have to say, oh, great, I'm going to do absolutely everything they said. But now you get that lens to say, well, how does that align with me and my values? And is that something I want to go after or not? But the folks that sit in the vacuum of just being with their own thoughts, I find are the ones that tend to burn out and struggle along the way. Mm. You've had such an amazing career in the things that you've given to your company, HubSpot, as well as MyCore OS. What is one thing that you are most excited about accomplishing? I think the thing for me is the fact that I've been able to give on top of my job, the fact that I've been able to give I think last week I had about 50 people joining on a 15-minute session for meditation and gratitude and stress relief internally at HubSpot. And the amount of folks that say, wow, I didn't realize how much better I could feel after 10 to 15 minutes and how easy and accessible these tools are is what really fills me up because these are the types of skills that are going to last a lifetime, that give folks tools in their tool belt that can help them really be their best selves. And ideally, then they bring those to their kids and that now all of a sudden you see this ripple effect that goes so far beyond me with just simply thinking about something you're grateful for, noticing your breath and slowing down for a few minutes. So I think that one for me is what really fills me up by being able to give back to others. Mm, giving back, serving, serving, serving. I love it. Spoken by a true sales leader and someone who is really focused on giving back to others. Jordan, if people want to reach out to you, connect with you, what is the one best way? LinkedIn, Jordan, Benjamin. Yes, two first and last names. That's the spot to find me or Peak Performance Selling is my podcast is another great place to track me down as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jordan, for sharing your time, your energy, as well as your expertise with us today. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. Happy to be here. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. And remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.